0: But it's crazy to think that Zoe and I have been here uh, about three and a half years. God brought us here. I know. Who said woo? Who said? Do it again. Woo. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. January 15th was, uh, was our first day here, and um, a lot has changed since then. It doesn't seem like a long time, but as I began to reflect and think back, um, a lot of my students, you know, when I came to the church, they were... Seventh, eighth, ninth grade. now they're juniors, seniors. Some of them graduated like Braden, uh, and moved on um, with a great spiritual foundation. Amen. Okay, thank you. But uh, my wife was pregnant in 2013 with our second son, Kipton, uh, and now, here he is, roughly three and a half. About two years later, check him out, yeah. Uh, My oldest son, Easton, was one. There's a picture of him. God, isn't that crazy? As, you know, parents, you, you guys know, you don't think about time until you see pictures. Pictures of yourself, prom pictures, way back when, when you were good looking. No, I'm just playing but you don't think about time until uh, you reflect and see photos. And now here's Easton in 2016. And it's just crazy, the development and the growth. And a lot of times we don't even realize it because we're with our kids every single day. And then this is a picture of me in 2013. Oh, wow. Check that out. That is one handsome man. Amen. Ah. And in two (laughs) thousand, wait a minute, yeah, I know, my wife's not here, my kids got pink eyes, so I know that was somebody else, I won't tell her, all right, no, but in 2016, Zoe told me that things get better with time, amen, so my good looks are still going on, I'm just playing, but uh, there was a song by Tracy Lawrence, I don't know if any of you are country music fans. Uh, in 2000, actually in 1998, I believe, or 1996, this guy named Tracy Lawrence came out with a song called Time Marches On. And in that song, he said, the only thing that stays the same is that everything changes, everything changes. And there's a lot of truth to that. He said, time is no respecter of persons. Every second that goes by is the second that we can't get back. And a lot of times we're too busy to stop and think about time. We're busy. We have jobs, careers, families. We're running kids here. We have hair appointments, nail appointments, job appointments. We don't have a lot of time to sit and think about time. But today we're going to be talking about the God's, God's gift of time and how we have an opportunity to either invest it or abuse it because it's a gift. I just read a book this past month by a guy named Trip Lee. It's called Rise. In the book, he uses an analogy about time. And he starts with a, uh, a bank account. He says, just think, if you did not know how much money was in your bank account, Would it change the way you spent your money? You didn't know if you had $10 million or 10 cents. You had no clue how much money was in your bank account. Would it not change the way you think and invest your money? Would it not change what you invested into? And then he used that same analogy for time. So imagine you have a bank account of time. But the reality is, you don't know how much time is in your account. You could have 50 years, you could have five years, or you could have five days. No one knows. Only God knows the allotted time that He has put in our account for our time here on earth. And so we're going to talk about investing, investing our time well. For God's kingdom. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. um, In verse 8. He's kind of dealing with the the Corinthian believers. And some of the Corinthian believers were um, kind of Paul's followers. They loved Paul. They hung on what Paul said. But there was this other man called Apollos. Who was a minister of the gospel as well. You got Paul and Apollos. And so some of the Corinthian believers were kind of with Apollos and then some of these Corinthian believers were with Paul. And so Paul's addressing them and telling them, listen, it doesn't matter who is doing the preaching or the teaching or doing the work of God. We all have a purpose. We all have significance. Every single one of us has been given an assignment, a destination, if you will, for what God wants to do with us and where he wants to take us. So in verse 8, chapter 3, Paul says this. He says, The one who plants and the one who waters have the same purpose, and each will be rewarded for his own work. We are God's workers working together. You are like God's farm, God's house. So he begins this analogy of talking about the house of God. And he begins to talk about our foundation. In verse 10, he says, Using the gift God gave me, I laid the foundation of that house like an expert builder. Others are building on that foundation, but all people should be careful how they build on it. The foundation that has already been laid is Jesus Christ. And no one can lay down any other foundation. If you guys have ever had a house built, you know it's an investment of both money but time as well. It takes time, especially if it's a custom-built home. It takes time for the builders to build and construct your home. And the materials that they use are very important. Because if they use faulty materials, years down the road, it's going to show up in your house. But no material is as important as the foundation. The foundation of the house is the most crucial part of the structure that has to be right. Because if your foundation is faulty, the rest of your house is going to eventually fall. It's going to crack. It's going to be destroyed. The foundation is most important. And so Paul says, and I got a lot of toys up here this morning. So y'all bear with me. So Paul says that the foundation is most important. Now, if you're in the back, you probably won't be able to see this as well. I just have a huge piece of a concrete block. And you should have seen us trying to carry this thing in here. I did it by myself, just playing, but we have a foundational piece here, and uh, Matthew, can you come on up here, man, yeah, you, go ahead, I didn't ask him, I didn't ask him if, he, if he'd be willing to do this, so this is going to be kind of risky on the cuff, but this, this is one of my students, Matthew, I have the pleasure of uh, meeting with him Wednesday mornings, at Cracker Barrel. How many of you know that all good things spiritual come over Cracker Barrel? <laughs> and this is one of my faithful ones. God has a great plan for this young man. And so sometimes as, uh, as Christians, we know that our foundation is Jesus Christ. And Paul lays that out for us. Jesus is, uh, is the foundation of our life. Upon God's house, Jesus is the rock. He's the foundation we build upon Him. But a lot of times, what we end up doing is trying to substitute another foundation in for Christ. And we can do this with our careers. We can do it with our personal wealth. We can do it with our bodies or health or uh, our families and other people. And sometimes even as parents, because we love our kids, I showed you a picture of my babies. I love them. I want to give them the world. I want to do everything they can to help them succeed in life. And as parents, you want to do the same thing as well for your kids. But sometimes what we do is we try to end up building our foundation upon our children instead of our God. So Matthew, if you go ahead and lay down for me, man, just face down on the ground. Uh, you, can, you, you can, yeah, look toward Pastor Deborah, There you go. All right, you can put your head down now. Right, turn it. Oh, there you go. Okay, cool. Good deal. All right, let me see here. Don't you pee. All right, so Matthew seems like he's a pretty strong guy until I put my foot on his back. Doesn't seem so strong. I'm just playing. But we got a couple of foundations here. Now, what if I just started jumping around on Matthew's back. You think he'd like that? Probably break a rib, right? I mean, if I just started moving around like an earthquake, jumping up and down, you know, what if I just poured a little rain on him? You know what I'm saying? The rain, the storms of life come, come, come falling in. No offense to Matthew, but I just don't think he's going to be a foundation. Yeah you understand don't you I just don't think this guy is going to be a foundation to build my house upon no offense to him however this foundation this solid foundation right here I feel like I can build on this this is strong this is a rock this is something I can jump around on I can do backflips on I can pull water on It can rain, it can storm, it can sleet, it doesn't matter. Because this foundation is not going to be destroyed. But a lot of times, as parents, when we start to make life all about our kids, we set them up for failure and destruction. When we base all of our decisions, our investment, our money, our time, everything into our kids. We neglect to open the Bible. We neglect to teach them that the true foundation is Jesus. We neglect to pray with them. We neglect to take them with us to volunteer places and to serve others. And we just make life all about them. When we do that, we begin to build a faulty foundation. And eventually, it will fall. Y'all give Matthew some love. Give him some love. Go ahead, man. wipe that up. Fifteen dollars to Chick Fil A that guy just earned by letting me step on him. We have to be careful as parents. You know, my wife uh, last year she. Taught, uh, taught. She coached softball, and if you know my wife, she's very good. I mean, she played in college. She's very talented. She knows what she's talking about. And last year was the first year that she coached, and she coached a ten and under team, so third and fourth graders, okay. And it was a traveling league team, so they would travel around. So I would go to some of these tournaments, and it amazed me at how serious these tournaments were and how these teams and these parents how serious they took this I mean these teams would roll in with with trailers right painted up with their team name and team logo and these girls would get out of the car decked out all in matching uniforms and matching cleats and matching bat bags and then they would bring out their banner and hang it on the dugout. <laughs> and then on top of that, they had a boombox for their music in between innings. And it blew my mind. I was like, wow. I thought I just stepped into the NCAA College World Series. And then these coaches, what are you doing? Get your head in the game. What are you thinking? They're probably thinking about Barbies. I mean, what... What does a 10-year-old girl think? I mean, come on. But it was so serious on these girls. And it just got me thinking. I was like, man, I I think sometimes as parents we miss it because we want to give our kids the world. And we live in a culture that that loves and values athletics and sports so much. And, And if you know me, I'm one of the most competitive guys you'll meet. I love sports. But we have to be careful not to let a sport or a music instrument or a drama play or education or college or anything else begin to take the place of our foundation in Jesus. Because if we allow those things to be the foundation of our child's life, we're going to set them up for failure. And we're going to lead them to destruction. Because what happens is our kids grow up with this mindset that everything's about them. That's the way it's always been. That's the way in their mind it should always be. Life evolves around them. And so they get married and they realize real quickly that their spouse is not just going to lay down for everyone in need that they have. Not like mama and daddy did. And so when trouble comes, and the storms of life come, they throw up the peace signs. They say, I'm done. I'm out. Because life has always been about me, and it can be no way different. And then if children are involved, the real victims, the real victims are the generations behind them. And so as parents, we have to do everything we can to help our children understand Jesus Christ is number one. He's number one. You've been gifted athletically. Praise God. You put God first and let him advance and let him, um, let him uh, multiply your talent. All right? You're gifted in music. You're an artist. Whatever your child's gifting is. Maybe they're really smart, unlike me. Okay? Whatever their gifting is, you make sure that they understand that Jesus is number one. He's the foundation. And if they build their lives upon the rock, they can't fail. Amen. They can't fail. So Paul goes on and he talks about the, the materials that we use to build on the foundation. Because the materials are important. And he says this in verse Verse 12, he says, But if people build on the foundation using gold, silver, jewels, wood, grass, or straw, their work will be clearly seen because the day of judgment will make it visible. That day will appear with fire and the fire will test everyone's work. The fire will test everyone's work to show what sort of work it was. So he talks about gold. And in case you're wondering, this is, These are real pallets of gold right here, okay? Indiana Jones style, all right? Talks about jewels. We got our jewels. Got some silver here. Then then we have some grass and some straw for those of you in the back. My man, Chad, can you see that? Okay, good deal. And he talks about wood. And these are the things that we build upon the foundation with. This is what we construct God's house with, these types of materials. And then, you know, if if the NFL was around in Paul's day, he probably would have thrown in a a Patriots hat because that's going to set on fire one day. Amen? Come on. (laughs) That will not withstand the heat. Amen? Anybody with me? Can you get with me? Okay. All right. Good. Just going to make sure y'all are Christians this morning. Okay? (laughs) Do we have any Patriots fans? Good. All right. Thank God. And so we have our materials. This is what we're going to build our house with. Now he said that on the day of judgment, when we stand before God and we have zero time left, we have no more time to invest on this earth. Paul said that our work is going to be tested with fire. And it's going to be shown what sort of work it was. So I had a little help from a friend got me some materials don't worry I do it listen I do this stuff all the time okay got a striker okay so I just thought this morning we would just test these materials out with fire right that's a good idea Y'all nervous? Listen, I've done some dumb things, but I can't do this, all right? I can't, I can't do this. I can't, I can't. Hey, I'm trying to mature, all right? I'm trying to grow up. And so, uh, but Paul, on the day of judgment, it's not gonna be an illustration. And it's not gonna be Uh, A silly little game and funny, it's going to be serious because at that moment when you are standing before God and you realize that God is about to test the work that you did on earth, it's kind of like going into a job evaluation. Pastor Aaron meets with us Every year, we have a yearly evaluation, and we sit down and we evaluate our work for the year. So, you're going into your evaluation, except it's not with your boss, it's with your God. And He's going to evaluate the work that you have done on this earth for Him, the materials that you have used to build upon the foundation of Christ are going to be tested with fire. And then we're going to see what kind of work it was. And so in verse 14, Paul says, If the building that has been put on the foundation still stands, the builder will get a reward. But if the building is burned up, the builder will suffer loss. The builder will be saved, but it will be as one... Who escaped from a fire? Wow. In other words, when you confess your sins and you acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ and you ask Him to be the Lord of your life and you ask Him to forgive you and save you, you are saved. There's nothing you can do to change that. You are saved. Your name is written. In the Lamb's book of life, when you stand before God, you can be assured that you will be spending eternity with Him. However, the materials that you have used, in other words, the time that you have either invested into serving God and serving His people on earth, or the time that you have abused in serving you and your kingdom, that work will be tested and yes you are going to heaven praise God but it might be as one who just escaped from a fire you might just smell like smoke so the, the encouragement the, the challenge for us this morning is think about how am I investing my time in eternal things that are really going to matter J. Uh, Oswald Sanders, read, just recent, recently read a book of his called Spiritual Leadership, and he kind of uh, outlines time like this. He says, if we allot ourselves eight hours uh, for work a day for a week, and then three hours a day for meals, and then eight hours a day for sleep, that leaves roughly 35 hours in our week. 35 hours in our week, not counting your job, not counting your meals or your sleep. Now, the question is, what are we doing with our 35 hours? What can we do to be an investment, to put an investment in to our house, God's house? What can we do to invest those hours and not abuse them? Many of you work full-time jobs. I have, 13, I have 13 volunteer staff who work full-time jobs. And on Wednesday nights, every Wednesday, they come and they give their life, they give their experiences, they give their hope in Jesus to the younger generation. They don't have to do that. They're not getting paid to do that. They're volunteering their time. They're investing their time. So many of you invest your time you have, you have a full-time job, but you're taking time to cut this grass. You're taking time to clean this church. You're taking time to change light bulbs. You're taking time to change babies' diapers. You're taking time to invest the time that God has given you. You are investing it into his kingdom for an eternal purpose. Eric Poulin for the last six months roughly, has spent almost every Wednesday night in Nashville with a ministry called Rescue One because he has a burden on his heart for sex trafficking. He spent two weeks in Thailand learning about this um, evil that has overtaken this world and and, and so many of, of just precious, precious lives that have been ruined because of this. His heart is burdened for it. And he wants to do something about it. He's willing to invest time into putting a dent in this evil practice. Brenda Fuller, she goes to church here, comes to the first service. She's 66 years old. Once a month, she goes to the veterans' home in Sumner County and feeds them a meal. Every month, once a month. Faithful lady. 66 years old we have a um, 79 year old Miss BJ Christopher just told me last service she's been going to the nursing home every Sunday and meeting with uh, two or three ladies who have Alzheimer's and that's her ministry she's 79 listen if you're 60 and above in this room God's got a word for you he's not done he's not through with you Don't you stop. Don't you call it quits. Don't you lay back with two feet up. Don't do it yet. Listen, eternity's coming. Especially if you're 60 and over. You don't have no more time to waste. What can you do to invest your time? Don't just live for your house. Live for God's house. All right? just want to thank you guys so much really on behalf of me my my wife my family you guys support us yearly you pay us a yearly salary to do what God has called us to do and I want you to know we're grateful so grateful thank you and typically I have Fridays off so Friday and Saturday is kind of my weekend so to speak and that's easy time just to spend for me right I mean, my strenuous, hard-laboring job, physically demanding job. All right, that time can be for me just to relax, you know, send my kids to preschool and just kick, kick back and, and just kind of build my kingdom. But, but for the past year and a half, by God's grace, I've been involved in a ministry called Mission 615. It's a ministry for any inner-city kids. So every Friday from 2.30 to 4.30, I visit Sudacom Apartments, 101 University Court. those are my kids. That's my neighborhood. I love those people. And on Saturday mornings, I get to lead a church bus through there and pick these kids up. Kids who grow up often with no father kids who grow up not understanding what love is, kids who grow up in abuse, don't understand the the plan that God has for them, I get an opportunity to lead a church bus through this neighborhood to pick up these kids and take them to a church and love on them and teach them about the love of Jesus Christ. God has given me an opportunity to do that. And I ain't getting paid for it. Praise God, I love it. I love it. Because my heart burdens for the injustice, the oppression, and the slavery mindset that these people are under. That's where my heart, that, that's where my heart breaks. So I'm just asking God, God, just give me an opportunity. God, just give me give me an opportunity to put a dent. If it's just one kid, if it's one kid who understands that God really does love them. And God really does have a plan and a purpose for them. And yeah, they they may not come from privilege like I have came from. But God beats the odds. And he can beat the odds in their life. And if just one kid can get that, then my time was worth it. Amen? It was worth it. What are you going to do for God? Not what he can do for you. What are you going to do for him? Because he's done so much for you. I see my in-laws on the front row. Don't mean to call them out, but they're late 50s. 59, 58. They decided it would be a good idea to become parents again. To an eight-year-old Haitian girl named Sonia. I'm sitting on the front row with them their late 50s you know what that's called it's called constructing God's house with materials that will stand to testify amen no matter what age you are in this room you don't know how much time is in your bank account so let's invest it well amen